Welcome to Hashing Out the Law, episode 22, Withers Whisper. I'm your host, Arash Hashemi. This is the podcast where we discuss and hash out legal issues and our topics. Our guest this episode is Andrea Hall, who has worked as a high-powered criminal defense attorney for over 13 years, specializing in sex offenses and domestic violence. After discovering a brain tumor, she decided it was time to get off the hamster wheel and leave the criminal justice system behind. Andrea always loved and was attracted to horses, so she was able to combine her love for horses and her ability to coach into a new career as a certified equine gestalt coach. Gestalt means wholeness, and this is what Andrea and her herd of seven horses bring to lawyers. She lives in Eden, Colorado, where she runs Withers Whispers LLC and works with lawyers who either need to find balance in their life or discover what makes their hearts sing again. She's also the author of the book, Sex and Justice. On this episode, I have with me Andrea uh, Hall. Am I pronouncing your name correct? Is Andrea Hall correct? It's actually Andrea. Andrea, I apologize. Andrea Hall. Uh, uh, Andrea, you were a, a defense attorney for 13 years specializing in sex offense and domestic violence cases. Um, that's uh, a lot of people who don't practice law just by hearing that, uh, think it's very, uh, gruesome and, and mentally exhausting. How would you describe it? Well, I would definitely say it's uh, mentally exhausting, uh, hence why I've transitioned into another career. Um, as far as gross goes, are there cases that, uh, hold to that? definition or people's standard when they hear that word, sure. Uh, however, for the most part, most of my cases didn't have that gross factor, if you will. It's, you know, a guy and a girl come home from the bar and they've had a few cocktails and maybe done, you know, some drugs and, you know, now the next morning she doesn't remember or, you know, she's got buyer's remorse or, you know, time has gone by and all of a sudden somebody says, hey, what this story you just told me, that doesn't sound like, you know, that was consensual or, you know, somebody grabs, you know, somebody's boob or butt at the bar and now we're looking at that. Um, little kids, you know, the sex thing, that's a big thing as well. And so, you know, we do have um, obviously the gamut of the cases that are very extreme. However, those are not as, I guess, many as people would think. Unfortunately, those are the ones that get um, on the news and, you know, are um, very high profile. Yet that's not the everyday typical case that I had dealt with over the last 13 years. Right. Uh, And we could spend a whole show just talking about your 13 years as as a criminal (laughs) defense attorney. (laughs) Because it's, I, I myself am a criminal defense attorney, and it's a fascinating subject to me, even though I do practice it. But I want to talk about your new career. Um, yeah. So at, at one point, and correct me if I'm wrong at, at any point, at one point you discovered that you have a brain tumor, right? And yeah. you decide that you decided that if you if you survive this, you're gonna you're gonna change the way you do things, right? So correct. could you could you tell us could you tell us uh, how how that happened and how it, it made you transition into the career that you have now, please. Absolutely. So 
I was in the middle of a five-day jury trial when my 18-month-old puppy actually died. Uh, She had been sick um, starting on Valentine's Day, and I found out the beginning of March time frame that uh, she had had an autoimmune disease that was attacking her brain. And eventually it just kept going, and, and within a month, it got to the point where we didn't think she was going to survive or know if she was going to survive. And unfortunately, she passed away the morning of closing arguments. And I had been struggling through the trial because she had been seizing and things of that nature. And ultimately, on the morning of closing arguments, I got the phone call from the vet saying she had died, you know, earlier that morning. And I called the court and I said, you know, I just need some time to get my stuff together. I haven't written a closing argument. You know what I've been going through. And the court basically said, you have 30 minutes to get here and that's the end of the story. And I thought, wow, what if this had been my kid? What if this had been something else in my life? And I thought, hmm. This is the first time in my life where I really got to experience what my clients had experienced on a regular basis, right? Like I felt unseen, unheard, and, you know, just another um, name on the docket. I didn't feel like I had any human um, expectation or personality as far as the judge went. And so I went, I think I need to take some time off and reevaluate my life. And it was at this point in time that I started noticing that I was physically ill as well, especially after I took the summer off and, you know, hung out with my nephew and played and and de-escalated the stress in my life. And when it was time to go back to work at the end of the summer, I went, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. Like, is this what I signed up for? I don't recall anybody talking about this in law school, you know. And so (laughs) I really noticed that, my heart rate and breathing pattern and voice changed when I had to step into the courtroom. I really had this fight or flight mode that kicked up in me. And so I said, I think I need to explore like something else. And it was the first time in my life where I said, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life when I grow up? And I took some, you know, time to journal and meditate and I just wasn't finding answers and so it was like a three-year journey of soul searching to figure out you know where I was going to go next and in the in this process I found the um horse uh uh equine stuff and I went wow this is really the ticket like I can hang out here all day long I could coach people. I could get to be with my horses on a regular basis. This is so, stress and so drama I'm, I'm sorry, free. But, I don't. But but so I think you're answering my question. You already were into horses before, so it's not like you just went one day. You you saw a horse and you thought you, you thought this is what I want to do. You were already involved in horses. I was definitely attracted to horses throughout my life. I never owned them. And I did not grow up with them. I was a city girl, yet there was always something about horses from the time I was little um, that I was always attracted to. And I always wanted to be around them. And so, like I said, I had the opportunity to experience this horse coaching program. And I said, wow, 
you know, this is something I can do. I can take my love for horses and my passion for helping people and combine the two. And that's when I found Melissa Pierce's Touch by a Horse program and started my certification. And right about the time that I was getting ready to go into another weekend event of training, I discovered I had the brain tumor. And I then had to have emergency brain surgery and, um, you know, patiently waited to find out if it was cancer or not. And I vowed that if I survived and I got the opportunity to do something different, that I was definitely going to do that. And that's where I'm at now. So when did you decide that you're not going to practice law anymore was it the first time you went to the ranch or was it when you realized that you're facing this this uh life-threatening uh tumor yeah i i had thought about it prior to that like when i started the certification program however that was really the two by four upside the head i knew then and there that i was going to have to leave my law practice because it was physically killing me I could I could not be on the hamster wheel that I had been on for the last, you know, um, seven, ten years and sustain that type of stress level and still survive. I was physically killing myself. There was no way I was going to be able to keep up with it. So uh, you survived the, the brain um, tumor and then you had made yourself, a, you had made a promise you're going to do things differently. Um, what did you do differently besides quit uh, quitting the practice of law? What, and I don't mean your daily routine. I mean, what did you change in, in the way you you deal with stress or or, or you deal with normal? Um, uh, I'm looking for the right word. Normal obstacles of life. How, how did you change your your thinking process? Well, first of all, my body just won't do it anymore. I used to operate at such a high level of stress and didn't even realize that I was stressed. Um, I could come back from, you know, a vacation in Mexico for seven days with my girlfriend and the doctor, um, you know, told me that my adrenals were failing. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm not stressed. I just came back from a week in Mexico. And he said, you don't even realize how stressed you are because you operate at such a high level. And it wasn't until I actually stepped away from my practice for three months that I actually realized how stressed I was. And now my body is not able to sustain that level. So I've tapered off from my practice before I actually stopped taking cases. And each time that I would even step into the courtroom, I could feel the anxiety come up. My heart rate changed. My breathing pattern changed. It was amazing the the physical reaction my body had that I noticed that was different when it's time for me to step into the courtroom. So, you know, I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of meditating. Uh, life is for me, what I've noticed is that, you know, it can be taken away at any given moment. So, you know, are there days where I go, God, there's things I should do, and yet I'm going to sit and read a book? Because at the end of the day, if I died tomorrow, 
who cares if, you know, the house is clean or who cares if supper was made or the laundry was done, right? But if I got to do something that was enjoyable for me and rewarding for me, that's what life is all about. And unfortunately, I think more people in our profession um, are all about the grind and they're not paying attention to their friends, their family, their loved ones, their kids. They're missing soccer games. They're missing taking time to go to the gym, um, to have a spa day, to get their nails done, hair done, whatever it is, uh, for themselves to be pampered and um, rejuvenate themselves because we're so type A personality, most people in our profession. I I, I tend to agree with you, and sometimes uh, I don't realize it either how how – stressed I am because to me it's just normal it's, it's, it is what yeah, we do. exactly yeah <laughs> and so that's not now, normal but our profession thinks it is normal right uh, unfortunately that's true, true so now you help uh attorneys um who are stressed and how do you do that could you tell us a little bit about what you do to help people who are under stress to to come back to to reality yeah, I offer lots of things. Um, my website has lots of blogs and self-help information. I offer free exploratory sessions with uh, lawyers and high-end executives to talk about, you know, goal setting and visions and what makes them happy and setting boundaries and, you know, learning how to say no, self-discipline, right? That's a big one for right. our profession. We continue to help others. And like I said, forget to help ourselves. So I have retreats, and I have one scheduled in August, a four-day women's retreat. And I have a women's gestalt group that is starting in May 21st. Uh, that will be eight weeks every Tuesday evening. And I offer, I, you know, pre- I do have pre- a, I do have a question for you. I'm sorry. What is your website? What is the address to your website if the listeners sure. want to visit? It's WithersWhisper.com, and that's W-I-T-H-E-R-S, Whisper.com. And, and um, uh, I'm going to make sure we, we put that for the listeners. I'm, we're going to put all uh, the, the information in, in this episode's description. We're going to include the link to the website so you guys can click on it and, and visit her website. And then you stated that you have a women's group starting May 21st. Um, where is that going to be? So that will also be out at the ranch. I have a 48-acre hay farm um, that we have an indoor facility where the horses and I work with individuals, and I do mostly individual sessions as well as I offer customized coaching packages for uh, clients to help them work on a lot of the things that we talked about, not just in the horse or in the arena with the horse, but actually then taking it outside and implementing it and having a coach that they're accountable to, you know, once a month or twice a month, as well as being able to do the personal work that that includes with the horses and, and healing um, the unfinished business. Uh, I firmly believe we all have trauma in our lives that have held us back from getting the things that we want and our goals and dreams that we want to achieve in this lifetime. And so, you know, we work through all of that. And, you know, so many times 
uh, lawyers, um, and I was definitely guilty of it myself, you know, grinding it out and forgetting what was important or what I wanted, and that could always take a back seat, you know. I've always got time to go do this. I gotta, I gotta make money and I gotta get my career successful. And then, you know, something does tragically happen and that's not everybody's case. However, a lot of times that's what it takes for people to wake up and go, gosh, you know, this could all be taken away tomorrow. And for what? You know, um, we're keeping up with the Joneses and I've got kids in private school and student loans and, you know, we're driving fancy cars and living on the fancy, living in the fancy house up on the hill. And what is all of that for? Um, right. Because ultimately at the end of the day, you know, what's going on with the individual who wants all that stuff? What is keeping them in that place? You know, is it a looking good program? Is it a you know, fear of failure, is it a insecurity around money, figuring what that is that's ultimately driving them to continue to be in that space and not be with their loved ones and not get to their kid's soccer game or hockey game or ballet or whatever that is, right? Or take right. a week's that, vacation. A vacation that doesn't uh, stress them out. <laughs> right. Now, you also... You also mentioned that you you have a retreat coming up in August, you said? Yes, August 1st through the 4th. It'll start on Thursday evening, and uh, it will finish about 2 o'clock on Sunday. And it's definitely and a, a time for... That's at the for... ranch as well, right? Yes, that is okay, at the ranch as well. Okay, and it's definitely a that... time for, you know, women to put the cell phones away and just have you know, four days of self-reflection and personal growth work and filling the cup up. I think us women are so guilty of giving, giving, giving and having nothing left to give. And they think when they do something for themselves that they're being selfish. And ultimately, if we don't have anything in our reservoir, it's empty. You have nothing to ultimately give. Yet women continue to give and they're running on fumes. And they forget to take care of themselves. And so this is definitely an opportunity of self-reflection and self-growth and, um, you know, like I said, putting the cell phone away and becoming a better mother, daughter, you know, sister, wife, things of that nature. Do you actually uh, do you actually get the women to put their cell phone away for four days? Is that is that a successful, <laughs> successful adventure you guys um, take on? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it's all completely um, four days. They obviously want to look at it, you know, on break and things of that nature. However, it does take them a little while to unwind. However, when they finally do start to unwind and realize how attached they are to that and when they can actually set it aside and just be free and not thinking about a calendar or an email or a missed call, it's very gratifying very gratifying yeah it, it's funny because uh, you know we didn't have cell phones before we didn't know uh -huh. what it was like but now now i i notice myself if i don't have my cell phone or if i don't even know where it is for five minutes i start panicking and, and it, it's horrible we're tied to the you would have thought you lost your right arm right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so to For me, it's fascinating how you could convince people to put their cell phone away for four days. But, but I could see how it could be, um, it, it could be a, a, a sense of freedom that you don't have this 
cell phone that you need to worry about. A, lot, a whole yeah. bunch of burden is lifted off your shoulder. Uh, it also reminds me of this uh, back in the day. When I say back in the day, I'm not talking a long time ago. It's before the cell phone. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, they had to call you, leave a message on an answering machine. You know, if you got home, you would answer it. Now it's it seems like at, at a moment's notice, they can either text you, email you, and you have your phone with you. And I believe that just creates more of a stress. So I think not just in lawyers' professions, but in everyday life, everyone is exposed to even more stress because of the cell phone. Yeah, it's we have turned into such a microwave instant gratification society. Like, if our hearts didn't beat and our lungs didn't automatically take in oxygen, like if our body didn't function on autopilot, you would see people falling over because we are so engrossed in these devices, right? Like just go to any restaurant and just sit down. Unless it's a couple that's on like a first date or in their first few, you know, um, dates, the honeymoon stage, if you will, you will see people and families out at dinner and no one's communicating. They're on their phones, right? My mother-in-law has a rule that if we go to eat and you take out your phone, you end up buying dinner. So no one takes out their phone <laughs> because <laughs> they don't want to get stuck with the bill. So, you know, and not only that, it's a respect thing, right? Like people yeah. are to the point now that they're just so engrossed, and I just think it's so disrespectful. Like why would you go out to dinner and give somebody – an hour of your time, and then spend that time on a cell phone. Now, are there emergency situations where you have to excuse yourself or, you know, somebody's expecting a call? Sure. However, like I said, just go at a restaurant or sit at the subway or a bus station or, you know, wherever. For the most part, people are so engrossed in their phones. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter, Instagram, you know, Snapchatting, whatever, right? checking email, um, all of the above, text messaging. I mean, I I have a girlfriend who was like, I went out to dinner with my kid and we text each other at the table. I was like, are you for real? <laughs> like, th yeah. why are you dumbing yourself down to them? No, that that's not okay, you know? They need to step it up because that's not how it's going to work in the real world. You don't get to go to a job and then send somebody a text message, right? I agree. I agree. Now, let, let me. I'm fascinated about your workshop and your ranch and everything. So, obviously, there's horses involved, but how involved are the horses in the process? So, I, let's say I come to to the retreat, even though I'm a man, you let me in your retreat, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I put my cell phone away. Um, how how much interaction do I have with the horses? Is it right away? Tell us a little bit about that, please. No, I wouldn't say it's right away. However, everyone gets an experience of observing the horses. So my horses and most horses in general, um, if they're they're willing uh, to do the work and they haven't been abused by a human being, um, are lie detectors. So they feed off of the energy that's put off by us humans. 
So let me explain this um, for people who may not be familiar with, like, energy work and things of that nature. So everything has a vibration, every word, every item that, you know, we have, clothing, all of that. It all emits some sort of frequency, right? And so if I put you in the round pen with my horse and I say to you, is your name, you know, John, and you say, my name is John, well, that's not your truth, right? Or I say to you, you know, you have on a blue shirt and you say, my shirt is white. Um, you know, I can ask you, how is your relationship with your significant other? And if you say, oh, my relationship is great, but my horse doesn't move, I know that what is coming out of your mouth is not your truth. Now, your conscious mind may believe that that's your truth, right? Because a lot of times, People will say, oh, I love my job, right? Or I, my relationship with my wife or husband's great. And in reality, subconsciously, that's not the truth. Yet our conscious mind gets in the way of that. And so the horses are able to decipher when you're speaking your truth energetically and when you're not. So when you're not in alignment and speaking your truth, my horse won't want to join up with you. In fact, I just had somebody out here about two weeks ago, and she is coming out for a session again tomorrow to work on some stuff. But we were working on her goals, and um, my horse wasn't moving. And I kept saying to her, are you sure that this is really what you want? And she kept saying, yeah. And she would try and sell it to my horse, and my horse wasn't buying it. And finally, at the end, after going through this process several times and my horse not moving, she finally said, oh, my gosh, like, I get it. Like, there is something in me that doesn't ultimately believe that I'm capable or deserving of what I've just said I wanted. And so for her, she had this huge aha around that. And ultimately, she finally got to the place when the horse wasn't moving, realizing that that wasn't her truth, even though she thought ultimately that it was. And so the horses are instantaneous feedback where, you know, typically when you go to traditional talk therapy, you have to go out and experience what you may have been aware of or had a realization about in traditional talk therapy. So when you're with me and doing the work and the horses don't respond, you get instantaneous feedback to know, oh, my gosh, this is working or it's not working. And so, you know, they don't have to worry about going out into the real world and then going, oh, yeah, this isn't working. Why isn't this working? Like, they figure that out right away by having a conversation with my horse. That's fascinating. I didn't know that horses can tell if you're lying or not. That, that's that's very fascinating. Now, what, one more time, give give the listeners the address to your website, please. Um, Absolutely. Uh, it, it is Withers, W-I-T-H-E-R-S, whisper.com. And, and I offer uh, free 30-minute exploratory sessions uh, to see, you know, if we're a good fit and how I could support them 
you know, in their legal profession or personal life, whatever that looks like for them. And they can get the information on, on that free 30-minute consultation on the website, correct? Yep. There's a um, a uh, button that they just push and uh, sign up for a free uh, exploratory session with me. They can call. They can email. All of the above. Awesome. Awesome. That, that's great. It, it was a pleasure having you on and, and hearing about your experience and, and your transition from uh, from the legal field to uh, helping those that want to transition out of the legal field. Uh, it was a pleasure. We'll make sure that we have all your information in the, in the episode uh, description so the uh, listeners can visit and get more information from your website. Uh, hope to have you on in the near future, and I wish you luck. All right. Thank you. It was a pleasure.